Is it possible to suffer without complaining? And how can praying over Mary's sorrows help us to embrace our sorrow and ultimately bring us consolation? Join us today as we explore those questions and more with Immaculate Ilabagiza, New York Times bestselling author and genocide survivor. I'm Father Dave Pavonkin. I'm president of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome to Franciscan University Presents. I'm your host, Father Dave Pavanka, and I'm president of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. In today's episode, we're going to explore the seven sorrows of Mary and how they bring us consolation in our sorrow. We're joined by our regular panelists, Dr. Regis Martin, professor of systematic theology at Franciscan University, and Scott, <laughs> oh, Kimberly Hahn, well-known Catholic speaker, author, and member of the Steubenville City Council. I would also love to welcome our guest today, Immaculate Ilibagiza. Immaculate is the best-selling author of Left to Tell. Her latest book is A Blessing in Disguise, The Miracles of the Seven Sorrows of the Rosary, which we'll be discussing further. It's such a blessing to have you with us. Thank you so much. Uh, we had you on campus last year, and we are so graced in the fact that you accepted to be a part of this this morning. We're really wonderful. Thank you. Maybe for a moment, just to share a little bit of your story for those who might not know you, which I find hard to believe, but there might be one person out there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm Radia Mene. Thank you again for having me. It is really always a pleasure to come to Franciscan University. Your kids have were school, went to school here, which yes. we are very grateful for. Yes, one is still here and Good. he's very happy. Good. So I thank God for that. Yeah, well, yeah, as you said, my name is Immaculele Bagiza. I come from Rwanda, this tiny country in Africa. I went through the a genocide against Tutsis, people for a tribe, in 1994. That time I was a student in college and I happened to be home for Easter holiday. So three days when after I was home, they, we literally heard that the president was killed and they started to kill people of our tribe. But it was organized. It was just the time it has to start. So my parents were Catholic. I remember when I said bye to my father, he, he gave me a rosary and asked me to go to hide to the neighbor. But when he gave me the rosary, it was almost like I heard words he didn't say. I felt as if he was telling me, I will not be here anymore mm. or whatever you need you know what to do. You go to a lady, you go to a Lord. So I didn't want to accept it, but it was deep inside. You just feel like this is it. He always gave me a gift, but not when we're separating. So I had mom and dad, I lived with them, and my two brothers, I had one brother who was also, who was outside of the country. And I went to hide, thinking it was going to be two, three days. A neighbor who was a Protestant pastor, he put him in the bathroom, three by four feet, and with other seven women, and we spent in that place three months. And a lot happened during that, those three months, and my heart changed a lot. I prayed, I got angry with God, with people, <laughs> but a lot changed. And when you came out, really, just in a few words, a million people have been killed. And my parents, my mom and dad, my two brothers, grandma, grandpa, cousins, I mean, everyone was killed. Our homes were destroyed. If I did not have the rosary as my father had given me, I would not be here for sure. No. I would not be here today. You tell, I would just love to have you on every week just to tell your story, but you tell a story about your father who 
the local people came together before and he, he called them to repentance. I mean, that was one of the most beautiful stories just because the people didn't know what to do and they were afraid of what was going to happen. Maybe just tell that story. Yeah, my, you know, I always say I'm so grateful. Now I can look at it with mature eyes a little yeah. bit. You know, when you have your parents, you think, oh, they're supposed to be there to do that, of course. But I'm really grateful I had good parents now. Mm -hmm. And they were a gift of God, to, you know, to have them those years. My father was, and my mom, there were people I felt they took themselves like the people who just wanted to be good Catholics, good Christians. And good Catholics means you have to, to love people and care for people. To this day in my village, people, not of our tribe, they have built the chapel they called after him. How beautiful. Yeah, so and I heard how our priest of the local priest went there on the feast of St. Leonard. They invited him. So he thought they were talking about mm -hmm. the real St. Leonard, like the church have approved. So they were like, St. Leonard did this for me. <laughs> and after he said, wait, what are you talking about? You don't know him. He's not from here. And they're like, no, we know him. We, he lived with us. You know? So the priest called me after, I'm like, okay, people have decided your dad is a saint. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I remember the last image of him, of course, besides giving me his rosary, he had the rosary in his hand and he spoke to everyone who had run to him. They really trusted him, that he would just give them words that we trust, you know, and we, he would share. I mean, he would try to protect them. So they, they were like 10,000 people, when I remember. Mm -hmm. They were all over on the soccer field, children, men and women, for two days. And uh, he held the rosary in his hand and he spoke to them very loud. I still remember my mom was scared. She said, why don't you let the young people do that? He's like, no, I have to be here for people. They need me. And he said, if there's a matter of a small group that is trying to hurt us, do not be scared. We will defeat them. But if there's a government that planned this, I can't lie to you. They will kill us. They, all, they have already blocked the borders of the country. They have the military. They have the police, he said. And then he said, even if it was them, let's not be scared. Let's take this as a chance God is giving us to repent our sins so we can go to heaven. Mm. How many people who are lucky enough to know that they're going to die? And I just remember thinking, oh, everyone is going to get mad. You know, I loved my father with <laughs> all my heart. I was one daughter among three boys and he loved me, really cherished me from what I remember. Mm. So I was scared for him. And I thought people were going to be scared. We're going to die, that's what you tell us? But people listened, mm -hmm. and that really shocked me. Everyone was quiet. Everyone started to pray, people hugging each other, mm -hmm. reconciling themselves with God and with each other. And after five minutes, they started to speak again. Mm -hmm. But everyone was quiet. And I truly believe in that moment, many sins were born. Many graces, yeah. many graces were given. You know, you're, you're telling two distinct stories, but they are really of a piece. Mm. And the details of the first, the genocide, mm. are really horrifying, yes. the way that you recount it. Uh, and I'm intimidated uh, by your presence <laughs> because you have survived all of this, and not only survived, but on a note of triumph, you have vanquished sin and evil, the darkness of despair. And I'm just awestruck by that. Uh, I, I don't know how, well, I know how you pulled it off with the help of God uh, and his blessed mother. Mm -hmm. And that's the second story, mm -hmm. which is so inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It truly was by the grace of God. 
I'm that kind of person who, if I dreamt that my mom would die, I would be crying for a mm. week. Mm. So to be given the strength, I 100% believe it wasn't from me. It was from prayer. Yeah. It was from God. Yeah. Can, can I ask you what happened to the other seven women? They are still alive. Actually, two of us died. Yeah. Two of us died, so we are now six. Yeah. So they all survived. We were all together in three by four feet yeah. bathroom for three months. I mean, you're sequestered in that tiny space for three months. For three months. And I think you say your only companions were fear and despair, and yet you learned something of faith and forgiveness. Did yes. the others learn the same message? You know, we never spoke for three months. We never spoke. And I think I was the only oh one who, yeah, for three, who was Catholic. So they see tease me to this day that, you know, they look at my finger like they, they, they rosary didn't make holes mm -hmm. in your finger. But I prayed the rosary from morning until night because that's what I had. Mm -hmm. And thank God I went to that because in the beginning, I remember starting to pray. And then I would have that voice that, oh, he's not there. Stop. You know, mm -hmm. and the anxiety would come in. I would start Hail Mary. I would not even finish it. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about your story was that it's, yeah, you don't sugarcoat it. You, you wrestled with and you were afraid and you were angry and you questioned and all of these things mm -hmm. that were, were normal, I think. And yes, and really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel God had to push me in that bathroom <laughs> and push me in the corner <laughs> until I get it because that's how I felt. But again, everything I think, you know, God has plans for each one of us. Even just being there in that silence, now I can see what I do, mm. you know, in the work of God, you know, to share my story, that it was all supposed to be almost, you know. Not that, again, I would no, wish course, a genocide, but the lessons learned were so huge. But your heart was open to it. Yes. Yes, your heart was open to it. For the example of your mom and dad. Yes, but it was also opened by pain. Yeah, Suffering broke it open. Of course. I remember the first time, so when I was in that bathroom, they came to search for us. But all that before, like a week before, I couldn't even finish our father. I would say it, and then the anxiety would be too much. Hey, no. Mary, I can't believe this is happening. Is this even real, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I'm angry, self-righteous. I can't believe this is going on. Then they came to search for us, and that's when I turned to God. Mm -hmm. And again, sometimes I feel, thank God to get worse. It got worse that I was able to turn to him. Otherwise, I thought, how can this be? And I still remember in the beginning, I had a song that would come to my heart. A song would just come in my heart. You know when you're quiet, a song is just singing, you're like, oh, what is that? Yes. So the song was like, I will tell everybody what God has done for me. I will praise Him forever. I will tell all nations. And I remember I was pinching myself mm -hmm. like, no, I can't praise you. Things are bad. And then I would go again, like, slow. the song will come again. I'm like, why am I doing this? But I was mad in the beginning. So when they came to search, it was a four-bedroom house, which they did many times. Three to four hundred people came to search. Four hundred, yeah, how? Bedroom. So when they came, I saw them through the window. That's when I thought, I'm, that's it. I'm dying. And to think of what was going to follow, to be cut maybe in pieces, and for what? What have I done? Why is it they can't see that I'm innocent? What, what is it that I've not even made me, myself, this tribe? Call me anything. If that makes me less guilty, what is it that they want? They want to. So in that moment, I remember returning to God because now I wasn't even sure if God was there. But these two voices, I still remember them. Not loud, like the things we still go through. But one voice was almost like literally fighting over my soul. 
give up, open the door, it's too painful. Mm. Why wait? It, or it's hurting too much. Just end it, it will be much more peaceful. But the other voice was telling me in, in my heart, do not open the door. Let God do what he has to mm. do. Ask him to help you. He is there. I'm like, is he? And then I felt something was telling me, ask him to give you a sign that he's there. So then you're not questioning, wrestling with, do I believe, do I believe not? And shame on me when I think about it. All my life I prayed. I went to church. Now I was struggling to be sure that God is real. Is he there? Can he be there when they're killing innocent children? But I remember I had to ask a question. I asked God, not that I will not die. I mean, all of us will die one day. Mm. But I just wanted to know, are you there? That I can at least throw myself into your hands, seek you, fully trust you. And I asked him, if you can hear me, don't let the killers find the door of the bathroom. And that day, fast forward, four hours later, five hours later, the pastor was hiding us, the man was hiding us, came to the door, opened. I thought it was them. I didn't hear anything. I fainted literally after I asked God, don't let them open this door if it is you. Even if I, I die tomorrow, but at least show me today. Are you mm. with me? Can you hear me? So I fainted. Later he came to open and he told us what happened. They went in every part of the house, in, under the beds, in the ceiling of the house. They opened suitcases to make sure there were no babies hiding. And then he said, they came to the door. He said, I was sweating, I was shaking. They could have looked in my face. I thought it was it. And then he touched the door and he turned around and left. Mm. And he said, you can't hide these people. And he left. They left really, all of them. <sighs> but one man touched. So that's when I said, God, I might not understand everything about you, but for sure, I just saw you. That was the sign. The sign. Yeah. And from that, I asked for the Bible. I had the rosary. I started to pray. If something was discouraging me, oh, it was just like, no, I will do my part. Yeah. I mm. need to pray and do my part and believe what he's saying. Mm. So I would highlight in the Bible and I would say, so you say that those who believe all things are possible. Did you mean that? <laughs> <laughs> but then I felt if that is true, I also have to follow his commandments. Yeah. I also have to believe yeah. everything, including forgiveness. Right. How many times we forgive? Seven, 70 times. And I couldn't. But I was, if I have to ask God to do what He promised, then I need to also be a disciple yeah. to really do what He says to. And that's where the prayer started to come, asking God, change me. I want to be who you want me to do so that yeah. I can benefit from you. And you've talked often that that was in, in some ways the more difficult, that your heart being changed in that, and with everything else that was going on, that you were able in the midst of all of that to come to that place of Yes, place. because I didn't want it. Yeah. I didn't want to change. Because the anger felt, it's so funny how we can enjoy our anger. Mm -hmm. The anger felt like it was my justice. You hate right. me, I hate you more. Right. Yeah. So I was standing somewhere, I like it, but I still want God. I can't go to God if I'm not willing to let go of that. Right, yeah. I mean, survival is challenging enough, but challenging. to extend forgiveness to those who want to slaughter you. It really did happen. And, and that was the most beautiful. And that's one of the things I, I think that's beautiful is you said, if this is true, if this part of the scripture is true, yeah. then this must be true. Yeah. True. We can't pick and choose. That no. Way. Well, we didn't have a lot of questions for this segment, so stay yeah. with us and we'll be able to discuss more of the seven sorrows of the rosary. Let's hear from other voices at Franciscan University of Steubenville. 
Ultimately, Mary's seven sorrows all stem from love. Love for her son Jesus, and also love for God the Father and His plan. So this love offers us comfort in knowing that the same love our mother has comes to us as well, but also as an example of how we need to love when we deal with struggles and when we deal with our own sorrows. When you see the world through a Catholic lens, you see God's hand at work in human history. You see the true, the good, the beautiful. Franciscan University of Steubenville's Master of Arts in Catholic Studies is an online program that offers courses in literature, biology, art, theology, psychology, all taught from a distinctively Catholic perspective so you can see the world with Catholic eyes. Find out more about the Master's in Catholic Studies. Go to franciscan.edu mcs. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We're discussing the seven, rose, the seven sorrows of the rosary with Immaculate. Um, this is uh, your fourth book, fifth book? Yeah, yeah, maybe five, Okay, six, four or five, yeah. 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 It, but it's really, really beautiful. And, and one of the things you were able to do is share your story, which mm -hmm. you did, and then how you encountered Our Lady through the messages. So maybe just talk a little bit about the messages uh, of Cabejo mm -hmm. and then the, seven, the blessings of the seven sorrows of Our Lady. Yeah, so Our Lady appeared in Rwanda in 1981 to this high school. She gave many messages over the years, but number one of her message to me is her love. Her love she revealed. You know, one time they told the visionary, the investigators of the church, they said, you know, you can't, behave like how you are talking to her. You talk to her like she's your friend, like she's your mom. Yeah, she's your mom, but you still have to respect her. She's the queen of heaven and earth. Right. And then she said, I know what you mean. I can't even stand in front of her without going to my knees because she's too glorious. But I don't think we're talking about the same lady. Because <laughs> <laughs> the one I see, she's the one who asked me to take a deep breath to come closer to her. Oh. She's humble even when she's a queen. Yeah. So she asked me to take a deep breath. I was literally there in Kibeho when she was asking the, the visionary to take a deep breath. So we would hear her go like, Yeah, that's beautiful. You are a mother. You know, it was just like attracting us, attracting us the way they conversed. Yeah, now she warned, the messages warned the people of Rwanda yes. what was going to happen. Yes, it was literally on August 15, 1982. She came to appear. There was thousands of people. My parents were there that day. And she came crying. And apparitions in Rwanda, in Kibeho, again, which is really our culture, as a mother visit a child, you don't come for five minutes, like how she <laughs> have come in Europe. <laughs> so in Rwanda, she used to come for like five hours. That day, she spent eight hours mm. appearing. So all the time she was talking about what was coming. And she was giving us a remedy. She wasn't saying it's too bad. Right. You can't get out of that. But she showed the children what came to be through my story in 1994, people killing each other with machetes. They would be trembling, their teeth would be clicking on each other. That's how scared they were mm -hmm. and how painful, how sorrowful it was. And our lady said, I've come to guide you back to God, but you are not listening. And she was asking simple, go back to the word of God, respect what the church is teaching you, put in practice, respect God's commandments, love one another, and she gave us a very good, beautiful thing. I love the rosary very much, traditional rosary and the seven souls rosary. She said, pray the rosary every day. Mm -hmm. And for your own good, not for, yeah, for your own good. Yeah. 
The Seven Sorrows was really a special message and grace that came in. This is really what the, the book is about. So maybe just a little bit your relationship with the Seven. And, and we'll just, I'll say later, we're going to provide uh, a flyer about how to pray the, yes. the Seven Sorrows. But. So one of the visionary who actually was the head of the crew that was persecuting the other two, Marie Claire, was the one who was given to pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary and to teach it to the whole world. And I remember she used to tell Our Lady, Mother, you ask me to teach it to the whole world, but I don't even have money to take a taxi <laughs> to go to right. the next city. And Our Lady said, my grace is almighty, can do all things. Mm -hmm. I said, you just do your part. Mm -hmm. And I remember she would tell to us, and she would say, my children, and the visionary would repeat, help me. So I was a child, but I remember just feeling stronger. I will help you. And then after I would laugh at myself, what did I say? Yeah. But by the grace of God, now, of course, he gives me a chance to be able to share. And I'm so grateful for, to have a chance that to serve Our Lady, yeah. just to do what she said. So the Seven Sorrows Rosary is about her sorrows, the sorrows of Mary. She gave it, she said, it's a, it is a rosary. And she said, it does not replace the other rosary. Mm -hmm. It is a gift, yeah. a new gift she's giving to us, you know, to, to enjoy this life really, not that she needs it, and to save souls. So the seven sorrows, she, we, it was new for us. Like, what? What is that? The first one, the prophecy of Simeon, when Our Lady Jesus was 40 days and they went to the temple and Simeon told her a spear, a spear will pierce her heart. And the second one was the, is the flight into Egypt when Herod wanted to kill the baby Jesus. The third, when Jesus was 12 years old and stayed in the temple for three days, but meditating on the sorrows of Mary. Mm -hmm. The fourth, when Our Lady met Jesus on the way to the cross. And the fifth, when she stood under the cross. And the sixth, when she received the dead body of her son. And the seventh, when they placed him in the tomb. So what we loved, first of all, it was not something I wanted so much in the beginning because it was painful. Mm. To this day, it's painful to pray how she was asking us to pray. But we did it because she said, do that. I, I want it. This is promises. So we prayed it. But later I learned, the more I pray the seven sorrows, I'm always crying, meditating on it. And Our Lady said also, don't pray quick. Like just mention and go. She always told the visionary, put yourself in my shoes. What if it was you mm -hmm. in my place? Ask yourself, what did I feel? And she would push. But the more I prayed, I cry, and then after I'm like, oh, ah, yeah. it's a relief. And, and I think that's one of the things you do beautifully is mm -hmm. you tell stories. So it's not yeah. just you connected your experiences and your sufferings with what, what it must have been like when, when Jesus is lost in the temple. You tell yeah. the story that your parents went to take care of your brother who was sick, but you felt <laughs> alone, and this yeah. is all a part of it. I, I, would, I would suspect that as a mother, many of those yes. penetrate your heart, Kimberly. Mm -hmm. Well, your book... Uh, Our Lady of Kabehu, um, I, I stumbled upon, I think maybe Scott had a copy of it, and I was um, praying about, uh, we have a meditative garden that has the Stations of the Cross on one side and a, and a hermitage to pray in in the middle, and I wanted something on the other side, and I said to Scott, I'm just developing it, but I'm gonna, I, I need to pray and find what can happen. I read your book, and finished it in the Port Siancala, and I drove home and said to Scott, I know what we're doing, I know what we're doing. <laughs> and so I, I began searching for artwork, and we have the Seven Sorrows Garden. And then I began really meditating on those seven, and I, I have 
given a number of talks on mm -hmm. those sorrows. And mm -hmm. there is no question that as I try to walk alongside Mary in those tremendously sorrowful circumstances, it, it does keep breaking my heart open. Mm -hmm. Just a couple examples, you know, thinking about the flight to Egypt. Um, on the humorous side, you know, the angel comes to Joseph, not Mary, and Mary doesn't say, you know, hey, by the way, the way this works is <laughs> the angel comes to me. <laughs> so when I hear the, no, no, she just responds. But I think part of her sorrow was knowing she could not save any of those babies, mm -hmm. that all she yeah. could do was obey and, and save Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the heartache that had to be, knowing that she, as she fled to safety with her son, she could not even warn the other parents. Mm -hmm. Or thinking about standing at the foot of the cross, and I love that verb, I've really thought about that. The strength that it would take to not crumble under all of that sorrow, but to stand there, even physically, to be there for Jesus to walk alongside him as he carried the cross and then to stand until he died. Um, and to think about forgiveness because, mm. she, you know, we all take the luxury of thinking it through, working it through, you know, what did I say? What did he say? Or what did she say? And Whose fault you know, was it? Right. Yeah. And Mary had to forgive as they were doing it. As they were doing it, she had to keep just uniting her heart to Jesus over and over again, the mockery, the religious leaders who didn't get it and who were part of this whole thing, the Roman soldiers, I mean, every aspect of it. And um, I just think it, it, if I could just share one thing that happened on campus for me. Uh, during COVID, I had two sons in the seminary and it was at a time where I really began to be very fearful do we need to build a bunker somewhere? If, if we lose all our priests, if someone really rises up and does to priests what, what they did in Rwanda, mm -hmm. you know, how would, I, how would we have the Eucharist? How would we save them? And, and is it gonna cost me my sons? Anyway, it was just a very powerful moment in the field house. We were during COVID, we were all stretched out. And as I prayed, I think it was a hymn of some kind of total relinquishment I had a very vivid picture of my son Jeremiah hanging on a cross. I mean, emaciated, dying, looking at me. And, and I looked to his side and I saw my Joe. And my heart cried out to Mary, not to Jesus, to Mary. And I said, you have to pray my sons don't die. And what she said to my heart was, you're asking me? Hmm. I will not promise you. Your sons will not die. What I will promise is that I will stand by their cross mm -hmm. and I will be with them. Yeah. And well, in, in a way, that's what Mary promised uh, the people of Rwanda. I may not be able to spare you yeah. from the coming Holocaust, but I will be present to you, present and powerful. Yeah, and I honestly, I, in, and I, I see it from one sense in watching people that I love suffer, but there's something as a parent, you know, as a father or a mother to see your children suffer. And, and I think that's one of the beautiful things that you do is, is you present Mary, obviously, just as she is, is a mother mm -hmm. and, and her care and her concern for us. The, the process of you coming to the, 
to committing yourself to this and to praying this? Mm. Was it something you embraced right away or you came to discover more? I came to discover a lot. Before it was, okay, I have to say the seven sorrows rosary mm. because Mary says she, she likes it. And then I will say it and you just your heart is sad. But as a child also, I haven't had much, you know, suffering in my life. Mm. So I didn't know how helpful it was. Mm. It was after the genocide and during, I was able really to look at Mary and see what she's going through. And really it helped me a lot. So loving the seven souls rosary, it came as a healing. I always say it is like a spiritual therapy because mm -hmm. every sorrow you go there, as she asked us in Kibeho, don't rush through it. Go there, ask yourself, do I understand what she felt? One time she told Marie Claire, the visionary, oh, what do you think I felt when my child was lost? And she said, um, I feel you, you felt sad and what else? So she will keep pushing. Mm -hmm. So she can, you can really open your heart. So anytime I say the seven sorrows, now, especially, I do, which I do every day, mm -hmm. because Our Lady said, pray it Tuesdays and Fridays, if you can't say it every day. Otherwise, she wants us to say it every day. Mm -hmm. So you, it heals your heart. Of course, there are promises, miracles happen, but it heals your heart. Truly, especially people who are in pain, seven sorrows is the best. Right. Just to be able to open your heart. I mean, what we hear from, from therapists is that when you go to them, they make you talk. And by you talking about your pain, you heal. They give no medicine. But through seven sorrows, you are able to speak to the mother of God. And every sorrow is like to open a different window, a different door, somewhere you have locked yourself in. Mm -hmm. And then like she exposes it. She exposes it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I prayed the, receiving the body of our Lord through our Lady. And I'm thinking about what she felt. I had to go to when I had to go to find the bodies of my parents, mm -hmm. and especially my brother. I found where she, he was, and I saw his his body, bones, with real bones. It was so painful, but it was almost like a pain you hide inside. You don't want to visit much, but through the seven sorrows, any time I did receive the body, oh, I cry again about my brother, mm -hmm. until it's much easier to deal with today. Well, you know, when you think of Michelangelo's uh, Pietà, he captures yeah, that moment in stone, luminous white uh, marble. Mm -hmm. uh, and you enter into, mm -hmm. I mean, vicariously, what it was like for Mary to cradle the dead God in her arms. I mean, overwhelming, yeah. crushing grief. Yeah. And yet, what happens on the other side? Yes. You know, resurrection and, and a willingness, a capacity to forgive even those who conspired to kill her innocent son. Yes. Yeah, and it, it seems to me that if we just simply skip to the resurrection, if we mm -hmm. don't actually walk alongside Mary, and we, we do a disservice to her motherly heart and to what that could mean for us for in us. our suffering, yes. because we, yes, we believe that we will be resurrected on the other side, but we have to walk through. Yeah. Those sorrows. Yeah. I meet so many people who tell me they were depressed and they just can't get out of depression. And I really tell them, sit with a lady, see what she felt, mm -hmm. contemplate her, her heart of a mother, yes. and it gives redemption. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, stay with us, there's much more that we'll be discussing on the sorrows of our lady. The seven sorrows for me is just something that really helped me through my reversion. I was able to just see the joy that can be in somebody's heart when they're going through the worst, you know, the worst pains imaginable. And because of that, I just, I'm able to just 
live my life with joy and have a smile on my face always because if Mary did it, she did it because she loved Christ and I want to love Christ the same way. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. You're watching Franciscan University Presents, which we record here in the Com Arts Studio at Franciscan University. Our students are operating the cameras and the equipment, and our theology professors, Dr. Regis Martin and Kimberly Hahn, and I are speaking with Amakile, who is the author of A Blessing in Disguise, Miracles of the Seven Sorrows of the Rosary. Uh, the title says Miracles, and you spent a lot of time talking about some of the miracles that were just so beautiful, maybe so just give witness to some of the things that Our Lady and the Lord has done through this. Oh, thank you. We have so many miracles. Again, beside that, just praying the rosary every day, it just brings me to a place of like innocence, you know, where you don't have this pain you carry inside. It just makes you feel relieved. So among many miracles, one of them I love to hear is about people who have been trying to get pregnant and couldn't. But Our Lady have said, promised in Kibeho, she said, she would hear the tears of mothers mm. who are crying for issues concerning their children mm. because they will unite their sorrows to hers. Yes. And she will, she's there to help us, not to put us into pain. So one lady, for example, I still remember, I went to speak in Argentina and I was in the car with her. She said, you know, actually I came to, to tag around because I have a problem and I want to ask you. So people kind of like found out. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think, what am I doing to people? They think I'm the one doing this. Right. But she said, but they told me, you know, you care about this rosary I heard about, seven sorrows and, and for mothers. She said she couldn't get pregnant for four years. And we prayed the rosary together. I spoke to her about that. You know, it's not a magic. You have to pray from your heart. You know, we really unite your sorrows to, her, to a lady. Speak to her, but think of her and her son. What they did out of love for us, mm -hmm. out of love. They were willing to endure. You know how much you are loved. So through that, we ask our lady to, to hear our prayers within two months. I mean, she, she wrote to me every month. The doctor said this, the doctor said this. Right. She was pregnant. <laughs> the first miracle was also about that. No, actually the first miracle I heard was a, a grandmother who was praying for her grandchild who had backbone cancer. Mm. So he, she came away, I was speaking, and the child was, had backbone cancer for three years. And she took the seven sorrows rosary. She started to pray it, and she said she closed herself in the house for three days because she wanted to fill the bathroom, like praying from morning until night. And she took her child, she would rub the seven sorrows in the back, as she praying it, just begging our lady to please hear their sorrows. And she told me within a week, they went to see a doctor, there was no trace of the cancer. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so. Yeah, I was touched by how many of the miracles were familial. You know, it was between fathers and, and so you tell the story of the, the father who was a drunkard and and he goes to Gabejo and encounters Our Lady there. And, and But then there's also the, some of the promises and they also speak of the promises about yes. our families, yes. that the family, that Our Lady would be close to the families. Yes, Our Lady had promised that she would take care, she really would care for us. And again, miracles of healing or that, in the end we die, you know, but I think these miracles are like, sweets and you know yeah, like yeah. A, a father is giving to the children mm. and then you just realize like, oh, you are there then I want to love you more yeah, yeah. I want to find out more about you mm. so a lot of healing I mean I have like uh, families who have been got back together yeah. I have a friend who taught us we started to say the rosary together I have a prayer group every day and 
her husband who had left 16 years before came back. Mm. And we attribute that to the seven sorrows. So there's a lot of many miracles that happen. One lady told me she had um, pancreatic cancer and she prayed through the seven sorrows rosary, begged all her friends to, to be with her. So they prayed for two months. Everyone, they had a Facebook. They, she went to a doctor, there was no trace of the cancer. I remember when I told her, I said, I want to tell people your name or okay, I won't give them your number. But she said, no, 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 I <laughs> wanted to give them your number. I want to witness oh. my number. I want to witness to tell people what I need to have done to me. So the, the joy of that is to see that she knows our sorrows. Mm -hmm. It's really a blessing in disguise because you speak to her about sorrows, you crying, thinking of hers, and then she hears yours. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. And again, love has a way to do with suffering. Mm. Anytime I think of my parents, I truly know they loved me. My dad could die for me, my mom would die for me. But how do I, when I think about the, how they loved me, the things that come to mind, the time my mom didn't go to sleep all night, she was sitting on my bed because I was sick. The day my dad was going to work and he saw me just weak and like, you're sick. And he dropped everything, took me. Yeah. So like when you see somebody suffering for you because of you, that's when you say, yeah. I'm loved. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a great sadness that, that even practicing Catholics don't take Mary very seriously. Oh. They ignore her or they minimize the power mm -hmm. of her intercessory prayer. Uh, I, I'm reminded of, of really one of the most uh, beautiful scenes mm -hmm. in Dante's uh, Divine Comedy. Uh, he approaches St. Bernard of Clairvaux because he wants very much to see the face of God, but he knows that unless I get the mother of God, mm -hmm to facilitate this, I'm not likely to see anything. And Bernard approaches Mary and, and says to her, look, lady, your power uh, and your might are beyond calculation, but anyone who desires grace without having recourse to you is like trying to fly without wings. Mm. I mean, Mary is the pilot. Mary is the rocket ship yeah. that propels us oh. right to the face of, of God. So we can't really survive mm. without Mary. Completely. Yeah. She's a mother. I think it's St. Maximilian Corbe who said, you don't be scared to love her because you can't love her more than her son loved her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Well, I think the bishops have oftentimes said that concerning Mary, we can never say enough. Yeah. You can't pay her enough tribute. Yeah. I love the visionaries in the Kibeho, how they, they speak. I mean, there's so many things about Our Lady I discovered again through Our Lady of Kibeho. Her love, her beauty, everything spoke of her purity. Mm. So, yeah. But when you hear the visionaries, one of them, you know, had the apparition of Jesus and of Mary. And when they describe her, this is what he said. He said, like, oh, she's like a dove, you know, her beauty. And yeah. I'm like, what about Jesus? Oh, he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a man. He, very good looking, but he's a man, you know. And he carried the, the whole world over his shoulders. You can see it. But Mary, oh, She's like a dove, you know, like the way he speaks about her. Right. And then when Jesus introduced his mother to him, he said, I want to show you somebody. First, like almost like teasing him. And then he said, this is my mother. I want you to love her as you love yourself and to respect her as you respect me. So like the love between them was like, mm. oh, he loves never, his mother. Never competing. And, never and I think there's some people experience right. that. It's right. like this yeah. competition yeah. Yeah. and it simply isn't. No, yeah. almost all my family are still Protestant. And, and I, don't, I don't know how to help break through that because 
they're so concerned that honoring her is dishonoring Jesus. Mm -hmm. And yet that's not our actual uh, experience in family. Mm -hmm. right? You never have children yeah. who say, well, who do I love? Yeah. Dad or mom? Mm -hmm. Who, you know, uh, it, it, one always will facilitate the other. Yeah. And I mean, and yeah. Mary's mantra is do whatever he tells yeah. you. Right? Yeah. She, she always, always defers yeah. to him. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think every son, every good son loves when you, a friend of their mom. You know, like uh, if somebody is a friend of my son, like in my family or my daughter, I just love them for being a good friends to my yeah. children. Exactly. I don't even want them necessarily to be my friends, but I love them because of yeah. they're good friends. Yeah. So you can't love Mary yeah. that you won't love Jesus. You know, Augustine has a great phrase. He speaks of Mary as she who gave milk to our bread. Mm -hmm. Jesus is our <laughs> bread, the bread of life. But the milk was necessary to nourish that bread, to bake that bread. I mean, I mean, she conceives him in her heart and then in her womb on the strength of her, her faith, her innocence. But you know, one thing that I have so, seen that brings people together even to love her is when they suffer. Mm -hmm. My friends who are Protestants, many of them pray the rosary because they came to her when they suffer. They hear me say like, oh, this happened. I was looking for a job, you know, long ago. I, or this was happening. I prayed the rosary. I feel peace. Or they see you go through suffering. Like, why are you suffering? Are you, are you smiling? Why are you smiling? Uh -huh. Like, I prayed the rosary. I did to take care of that. Yeah. And with that, people take notes when they see where you got your help. Mm -hmm. So one friend of mine who is a Protestant, she came to me one time. She said her brother was about to be deported from, from the country. She said, I am so distorted. My heart is in pain for my brother. And my whole family is just like, you know, sad. Do you think if I pray the rosary, me too, I may <laughs> benefit from the help of Mary? <laughs> she prayed the rosary all night. I told her the rosary then before she never wanted to listen. But she did. And the next morning they went to see the judge. These were her words. She said, it was like the judge became my best friend who had been so mean to us before, but now he was nice to us. And she said, I don't promise you to be Catholic, but I will pray the rosary on my life. <laughs> and now she's actually asking, how do I become Catholic? I think you're right, Immaculate. Yeah. When I was younger, I thought that we suffered because Jesus suffered. Oh. But it's the other way around, is that, is that part of the human condition is suffering. And, and Jesus embraces that and enters that. And, and I think Our Lady obviously does it in a unique way yeah. that that connects us. I mean, there was a line from a movie, I don't remember the name, but it was, I don't know the fact, but I know the feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, I may not know everybody's story about what their suffering is, but oh, you, you know what that feeling is, and you know what that, that angst, and that's, and, and that's what you just do beautifully. It, maybe in, in the last couple of minutes, just catch us up on the story of, of Our Lady of Cahabo, Ke that Ke there's going to be a church, and just maybe oh, yeah. just bring yes. us up on that. Yes, so Our, our Lady who... Oh my, again, I love just to think about her. <laughs> I take pilgrims there every three, four months, really. Yeah, I hope many people will go because one of the things she have said, bring my children here. Come to visit this place. Come and touch this place where heaven have touched the earth. Mm -hmm. So I, why that place is special? Where Our Lady appeared, heaven have touched, we go and again, the peace, you just feel like, you know, the healing that happened, the faith that grows. So another thing she have asked, first she said, pray the rosary every day. That was really a message that I tr tried to this day, continue to put in practice. And that time was joyful, sorrowful, glorious. And then she said, pray the seven sorrows every day, again, for your own good, for your country good, for your family, for ourselves, for our peace, 
to connect to God and to have the help of God in this journey. Another thing she have asked that they build her two chapels in Kibeho. And it's funny because the, one of the investigators who had was part of that, he had, before he died, he gave me all these reports he had. So everything they were writing every day. So one of them was, Our Lady would tell the bishop, and then bishop would send messages to the visionary to tell Our Lady. Mm -hmm. Tell Our Lady, why? We have many churches. Can she use the ones we have? <laughs> and Our Lady, so kind, so much humble. He said, thank you, my son, but I want new ones. Right. <laughs> and then they sent him another message. Our Lady, where do you want these chapels? Because, you know, we have different lands. She said, okay, my son, I will come and show you. She literally yeah. took the visionary, so beautiful. showed her the measurements and the land. And then after they complained, sent a message to Our Lady. Tell Our Lady, she asked for too much of a big church. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have money, we are poor. And Our Lady sent back a message to him and said, my son, all I need from you is your willingness to help me and the love, faith. I will find the money. I have many children in the world. Yeah. Mm. So with that, of course, I see that I have so much love for her. I have gone back. I have even started a foundation, a few Americans who we have started it. And now we are trying to help the bishop to build the church. And as she said, as Our Lady of Guadalupe, she said, here, I would hear hearts, I would heal, I would, miracles would happen, I would comfort my children. I mean, there's so many beautiful promises. We had simply yeah. the blessing on our campus yesterday, and um, I, I was just sharing that there's something about land, that there's something about a place that's sacred, right. that really yeah. is holy, that, again, it's, it's so Catholic too, so mm -hmm. to be able to have this place that Our Lady said, okay, this place is special, this is where I want that. How, how could we say no, right? How can we it would say? be incredibly hallowed by the fact that she was there. Yeah. She appeared, yeah. she showed up. There's yeah. something sacred about that setting. And you won't believe how many times people have tried to say, what about putting it somewhere else? <laughs> and I'm like, no, please. Well, people have said that about Franciscan. If it was just in California where the weather's beautiful, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's here. There is something here for sure, yeah. Well, thank you so much. So yeah. uh, please stay with us for our final thoughts, and uh, we'll hear more about the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady. So I've lived in New York City for all my life, and probably the most striking time in my faith for me was when COVID hit, and we were at the epicenter of it all for like the first three months. And what really brought me peace in that time with just worries of what would happen in the next year, all the riots that were going on, just me trying to graduate high school, being able to meditate on the seven sorrows just brought me a peace that I hadn't felt in a long time. Walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. You'll explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage in the Holy Land, Poland, France, Austria, Italy, and more destinations. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages. I have a devotion to Our Lady, uh, one, because she has always helped me. Uh, in any dire time or dire circumstances, she has always been there for me, no matter what and no matter the situation. She has never abandoned me. She has always heard my prayers and interceded for me to our Lord. Um, second, I would also say because I feel like she calls me in a unique way to her uh, and through that to Christ in a similar way as to how she calls all other people to her son.
Welcome back uh, to Franciscan University Presents. We've come to our final segment. So Regis, your final thoughts. Yeah, uh, just an overwhelming sense of gratitude. I'm so moved by your testimony. Also yours, Kimberly, and as always, what you say, Father, it is incredibly galvanizing. It makes me want to fall to my knees mm -hmm. and grab hold of, uh, of a rosary. But there is one puzzle I have. Mm -hmm. She appears in 1981. Mm -hmm. She makes a big splash. It looks as if all of Rwanda is drawn mm -hmm. to this devotion. And yet, 13 short years later, you have genocide. The, the apparitions followed by almost complete annihilation mm -hmm. of your people. How does one account for that? Did they not heed her message? Didn't they, did they not listen? Were their hearts closed? Was it only superficially received? I, I just don't know. But it's really a great mystery, uh, and uh, I, I don't expect you to solve it. Mm -hmm, yes. It's not a problem that yeah. you can solve. It's a mystery that we have to endure. Mm -hmm. But it's just part of the mystery of evil. Of, of malice uh, in the human heart that maybe without complete cooperation with grace, you can't ever uproot. But it is a great sadness. It is. It, I mean, it must be a stunning paradox for the people of, of your country to try to juxtapose those two events. Mary appears here. She doesn't appear anywhere else. She doesn't come to Pittsburgh or Steubenville. She goes to your country. And yet within 13 years, almost a million of your countrymen are hacked to pieces by machetes. It's extraordinary. Yeah. We're not gonna blame Mary for that, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 the, it's the worm in the apple that poisons yeah. the fruit, and we have much to atone for. And that's all the more reason to turn to our Blessed Lady. Yeah. And you, you highlight, you showcase so well uh, Mary's willingness to help us uh, and the grace she mediates uh, and the apparitions that, that she somehow vouchsafes to people who are open uh, to God's, uh, uh, God's surprises. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Regis. Kimberly. Well, one of, one of the thoughts is that I love her title, Our Lady of Sorrows. It is not Our Lady of Sadness. Mm -hmm. And when suffering comes to us, we really can turn inward and, and be overwhelmed by the sadness that, that makes sense. I mean, we go through very, very painful, difficult things. But Our Lady is one of those ways that we can see the path forward to acknowledge tremendous pain, suffering, physical, emotional, mental, and yet we can do something with that. That can be a gift back. As you said, a sacrifice of praise. That, that phrase is in the Psalms and it's like, what does that mean? Well, it means that I choose to praise you even in the midst of this great, pain, suffering, difficulty. And it helps me as a mother because as a mother, I'm sure, you're geared to, I want to alleviate suffering. I want to, to help my child not suffer. And yet, at the same time, we know this truth you write about that suffering enlarges our capacity to love. And so on the one hand, I don't want my children to suffer. On the other hand, I want the fruit of suffering in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so I need to walk alongside them not to just take away everything that's difficult, but to give them that sense of my presence and my prayer mm -hmm. as Mary does for me. Mm -hmm. and, and thank you. Oh. Thank you so much for speaking so beautifully and powerfully to these things. Yeah. 
Final thoughts about that. Yes. Um, some of the thoughts is also to speak about what you said. Our Lady, I think, the way I have seen her, she's a mother. She goes to visit a child as a mother. You will go to visit the one who has problems more, who is having some difficulties. So the problems in Rwanda were there already. She came to help us, and of course, we didn't listen. However, no, I would not even say a quarter of people killed. It was like the powerful people were leading the country, were corrupted, and have, were pre have prepared a genocide. So many people have listened. As she said, she never goes anywhere without bearing fruits. Yeah. So even if that terrible thing happened, it definitely, there were many fruits and we can see them now. And I remember she said, if you don't listen to me, because my son have allowed me to come to you, this country will rise again. Mm -hmm. And we see it now, you know, yeah. the country, people go there and say, what How can this happen here? People are kind. But in fairness, people who killed, most of them have run away from the country. Others are in prison. And those who have apologized, they're out, but their hearts are free from what I see. Mm -hmm. So another thing, what I want to say is, so suffering is really, I always tell my friends, I will do anything to help anyone who is suffering. That's my job. However, don't cause suffering. Mm -hmm. If it happens to you, open your heart, learn from it. Another thing I've learned is that Our Lady said, there's no one who does not go through suffering in the world. Mm -hmm. Bad things happen to everybody. Those who are good, those who are not good. Actually, people who are good, who are prayerful, who have Our Lady and our Lord, they have much easier path to come out of their suffering. Others make it worse by trying to solve it in whatever ways we can solve it. Mm -hmm. So everyone suffers. I always have to remember that when I'm suffering or when somebody's happy, just be happy for them mm -hmm. because you don't know where they came from yesterday, what they went through last year because all of us have a part of suffering. So her sorrows is what she gives us to give us help, mm -hmm. to take us out of that suffering, the lack of hope, desperation. She, she offers us her, her sorrows. We can learn from them, work from them and see how somebody loves, loved us to death mm -hmm. and that you have her. So she helps us in our suffering, but as our Lord said, he would bind our wounds, but he will not prevent us from getting wounded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, friends of mine, are, they're dealing with a situation, they've got about seven kids, and I know both the husband and the wife, are, and um, I've just watched the way the husband, the father, has dealt with his children, and the way his mother, the mother has dealt with the children. Yeah. And it's been different, and both, both were necessary, but I just, I, I mean, I've read lots about Our Lady and lots of books about that. Um, but I've just really been struck by that. And this will be available to anyone. If you'd like to learn more about the topic, you can just get this handout, uh, How to Pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary. It's free. If you go to faithandreason.com slash presents or call the number that you'll, you'll provide for us. But I think what I've discovered over, over time and just over honestly reading your book is that there's something unique about the mother and that any family has to have a mother and and the way I just watching this couple the way the mother has loved the children in in a way that was just unique and different and, and special and, and you provide us this this vision and this insight to that and and you were sharing too Kimberly I, I was at a spoke at a Protestant school one time and it was very striking because I was talking about Our Lady and it, it was in reference to Luke so it wasn't just kind of out of the blue yeah. 
And this professor who was Protestant biblical theology, and uh, he was very honest. He said, he goes, my concern is that if I say anything about Our Lady, anything, he didn't say Our Lady, anything about Mary, uh, that people will start judging me. And But he said, my concern is that we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. is, oh. is that in their trying to hunker down that they've lost the beauty of that. And I think what you're able to do in this book is you're able to share Our Lady with us in those most intimate times of difficulty and suffering and pain and and that the mother is there, our mother is there and you do it beautifully and you're vulnerable and we just want to be able to thank you and, and let you know of, of our prayers. So, thank you so much. let's pray. Uh, okay. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we have so noble of mother who has loved us, who has cared for us, who embraces us in the midst of our suffering. I pray particularly for those, even at this moment, who are experiencing a great suffering, great pain, that in the midst of that, they would find Our Lady, they would find her love and her tenderness and her care, and they would know her healing presence. May Almighty God pour out his blessings upon you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Download a free handout on today's topic at faithandreason.com slash presents. You can also watch past episodes of Franciscan University Presents or request the handout by emailing us at presents at franciscan.edu or reach us by phone for today's handout by calling 800-783-6447. That's 800-783-6447.